Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be delving into UK markets and looking at some of the key economic themes out there at the moment. And to do that, we're kindly joined once more by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being with us this morning. Morning, John. Good to be back with you. So, Alan, we were just speaking before we started recording about the the FTSE 100, and I think it's apt if we start off with taking a look at this index. Of course, London's leading index of 100 stocks, which, as we were speaking this time last yeah, week on yeah. the podcast, hasn't really moved a great deal. We, we were talking about the key levels at the time of 7,877, which is the all-time closing high in the FTSE 100. And then we've got 7,903, which is the highest traded price, the intraday price. We haven't yet, although we look like we could do it, breach those two levels. We're, we're trading up on the day. Uh, you know, just looking here, we're barely 10 points away from that 7,877 level on the FTSE 100. We had a bit of downside yesterday. Of course, there were some rumblings coming out of, of China. When you're looking at their GDP figures, it was the worst or the second worst yearly GDP growth figures since the 1970s, that caused a, a, a bit of a wave in markets, but we're we're firmly back up again today on the FTSE 100, up about two tenths of one percent. So it looks as though we could breach that level, uh, 7,877, in the very near future, Alan. But when we're looking, you know, a little bit further along the track, when we're looking at uh, at UK stocks. It seems that we've had a really strong grind up so far this year, albeit a very short period. But in your view, is there anything that's on the horizon which could derail this rally? We've seen inflation data from the the UK this morning. It it fell back to 10.5%. Of course, that's very, very high still and will be causing households a lot of problems with rising fuel and, and food prices. But it's going in the right direction. It, it's not falling as fast as it is in the United States, but there seems to be a trend now building across major economies of falling inflation rates. So that seems to be a positive. It seems as though central banks are going to be slowing the rates of their hikes, although they will continue to, to increase rates in early 2023. So they, you know, they're the two big concerns that we had last year, which seem to be subsiding so, I mean, is there a potential for an upset or do you think we, we continue to maybe climb a wall of worry in markets? Yeah, I, I was just about to say, uh, John, I think it's that wall of worry that we continue to climb. Um, and if you think about it, when we spoke last year, of course, we met, we looked at what the Bank of England was saying about uh, interest rates going forward, how they'd be likely to uh, initially, they expected them to go as high as 5% and it was 4.5%. So I think we... I think we can expect um, further interest rate rises going forward. There's no doubt about that. But um, but also interesting to note that uh, that um, job uh, 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 um, uh, inflation in uh, in in uh, private the private pay sector or I say inflation um, increases in the private private sector pay grew seven percent to in the three months 
to November. So um, in the private sector, you could argue that um, whilst people are worse off overall, some people, for some people, it won't make too much of a difference because they can just trim shopping habits here and there. So I think at the moment, um, we are largely in line with expectations. And on the back of that, of course, the FTSE is seeing that performance. And um, uh, but, but it's also, of course, the FTSE doesn't really represent um, the uh, the domestic economy. It does, but it's more representative of the global economy because we have so many dollar-earning companies listed on here. Um, the pound is recovering somewhat against the dollar, um, but uh, we continue to see these strong performances. And uh, underpinning this all, of course, there is an expectation that, um, uh, that I, I've been speaking to various people in the mining industry, and there is... Um, there is an expectation across the industry generally of a huge explosion in value, both at the at the uh, the uh, mega cap level, those the, with the huge mining companies, and also also the the small explorers too, because uh, uh, the cost of raw materials is going to increase. We're seeing cost inflation there anyway uh, for for suppliers, but also the the cost of those raw materials will increase um, in line with with inflation. So, um, so given that, of course, we are making the transition to a clean energy economy, all of those metals, all of those uh, commodities that drive that will be hugely in demand. So, so I think we've got a very bright outlook. Um, on the negative front, uh, of course, uh, we have, we have the uh, issue potentially of COVID, although I think the risk has largely receded. Now, the only, the only uh, risk from COVID, I think, is still with the China economy, and of course, China is uh, China is an absolute powerhouse, and many companies in the FTSE are reliant on China for sales. So, a recovering China, um, a, a, a removal of the lockdown there will uh, yield huge dividends for companies selling into that marketplace. So, so there are these factors, and of course, behind everything else, uh, the elephant in the room, which of course is the Ukraine war, um, uh, how, how long will that continue? And we're seeing that ebb and flow, dreadful though it is, we're just talking about it, you know, thousands of miles away from, from where it's taking place. But of course, people are getting killed um, every day there, and it's a dreadful situation. But the impact, uh, it, it looks looks set for a prolonged war. And I think the markets are have, have uh, factored that in. But of course, if there are any dramatic changes, um, uh, notably with Russia, um, with Russia uh, prosecuting the war and upping the ante, then, of course, that's a factor too. But um, in summary, I don't see, I, I think we're going to see more of the same. And I think uh, I think it's likely in the, uh, during the first quarter that we could well see the FTSE 100 break, that, uh, break into new territory and break that, break that record. Yes, yeah, I mean, it could, it could even be today. And it's quite interesting what you pick up on the impact on China because... You know, if you look at China and compare the Chinese economy to the UK economy, to some extent, the Chinese economy has a bigger impact on the FTSE 100 than the UK economy does. Yeah. Of course, there's a there's a huge weighting towards mining companies. There's BP and Shell, and obviously the exposures to oil, which to some extent is dictated by expectations of Chinese growth you know it, it's been really the the growth powerhouse of the global economy for the last 10 or 20 years and everybody looks towards China for some 
idea of how global growth will perform. And with them reopening, it's it's been relatively positive. Miners are up towards some of the highest levels they've been for for many many years. In in some circumstances. Uh, all-time highs. We're seeing resilience in in Shell and BP, and that's providing support for the the index. and And that's one of the main reasons that we do see the FTSE 100 flirting with all-time highs at a time that the domestic economy here in the UK doesn't look particularly good. So we've obviously mentioned there miners and commodity companies, but we're going to start off with one stock here, Alan which is particularly exposed to China. It's Burberry, of course, the luxury fashion brand. Again, for many, many years, was reliant on China for for growth, and it did very, very well over there and really carved itself out a place in that luxury market among Chinese consumers. But they've updated this morning, Alan. So what do those figures look like? Yeah, it's a third quarter trading update from this this, uh, powerhouse of a brand, Burberry. But... um... But a lot of pundits in the market are looking at Burberry and saying it's lagging behind its uh, European counterparts. But, um, I mean, to, to be fair, the company's delivered a pretty strong uh, share price performance over the past year. I mean, we're now at year highs of £22.70 per share. Shares up a further 1% uh, on the news this morning. And that's uh, that's basically a third quarter revenue increase of yeah, up to £756 million up 5% uh, overall. Um, but of course, um, uh, like-for-like sales in-store were up just 1%, and that was in- impacted by the COVID-19-related disruption in mainland China. So China is a big destination for for Burberry. It's a very important marketplace. Um, uh, and uh, we see in the numbers this morning that mainland China sales fell by 23%. So so it, it's 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 had a big impact, um, and uh, you know overall we've seen we have seen that sort of heavily impact on Burberry numbers. But um, but uh, of course the new chief exec has just come in. Jonathan Agroyd um, has a strategy to turn the company uh, around. Of course, with a very strong online presence and um, and repositioning of some of the shops and the outlets. Um, but uh, but uh, you know the the the, uh, the markets are saying this morning. Well, look, you know uh, Burberry Burberry is still a big brand. It's uh, it's selling it's selling well, and uh, you know given the share price performance, um, I don't think as an investor you can be too disappointed over the past year. Um, but uh, it's still lagging European rivals. Um, but uh, of course, it's a it's it's a powerhouse of a brand. It's a huge brand. Uh, market cap of eight point six billion. Um, so of course that's a, a huge juggernaut of a of a stock. So in order to turn that round and refine the numbers and streamline costs and uh, improve margins, you know that's a that's a big commitment, and it's not going to happen overnight. So so I think the fact that the shares are sort of trading at these year highs, um, probably uh, some of the pundits have been a little a little unfair to the stock because it's a, it's, a, it's still a pretty strong performance, and I think given uh, what we've just said about China, you know, the fact that uh, China is now coming out of lockdown. Uh, and of course, there are still travel restrictions. Uh, um, you know, travellers are having to test uh, or provide a, a negative COVID test before they go into certain countries. Of course, the UK has now implemented that too. So that may have some impact. But uh, nonetheless, if the Chinese government are being brave and uh, and um, and uh, they're reopening for business, that's going to have a hugely positive impact 
on the markets and of course uh, that's that's on global markets not just the uk um so on balance i mean you, you've got a, a as, an, as a shareholder you have a dividend yield of 2.2 percent um it's uh, you, you know we are at these highs uh, and, and of course this is pretty well at a five-year high so you could say where do we go from here certainly if i were a shareholder i continue to hold burberry shares but i might want to wait to see some of the froth come off the share price before i dived in as a, 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 a to buy the shares for the first time indeed i mean it's, it's very difficult to you know make comparisons with, with burberry and their european peers such as lv MH, of course, you know, Burberry's a one-off brand, but mm. these companies over in Europe are, you know, all under one house. We have multiple, you know, multiple brands within that company. And of course, you know, just in the in the last month or so, we saw the co-founder and CEO of LVMH become the world's richest man, uh, yep. mostly down to Elon Musk's uh, destruction of uh, Tesla's share price, uh, yes. dragging his wealth down. But you know, a very steady incline that we've seen from LVMH over the last two to three years, you know, really has brought luxury brands back into investors' eyesight in terms of companies to place money where there could be volatility in markets. Of course, these brands have a clientele which aren't that impacted by uh, the headlines that we've seen this morning in terms of inflation. Rising food prices won't do anything to buyers of brand to LVMH or, or Burberry. But I agree, Alan, looking at the share price here going back for, for some years, you know, Burberry's been a, a steady, a steady gainer. It obviously suffered during the pandemic. But again, I'd agree looking at these shares here, they do look a little bit um on the high side in the short term, given that we've probably seen a lot of the Chinese reopening priced into to Burberry shares already. So it'd be interesting to see in their further updates how the Chinese reopening actually impacts their sales going forward. So we're going to move on now, Alan, to a company which is not for the faint-hearted. It's Argo Blockchain. There was a period last month where it looked like the end for Argo could not be that far away with some financing issues. But there's been quite a positive update for them recently, and that's been reflected in the share price. So, what's been happening there? It has it has been a it's been a, a perilous uh, journey for Argo. Of course, um, we we you know everyone's aware of what's happened to the the, the Bitcoin price. It's fallen through the floor, and uh, you know, cast out with the collapse of the of the uh, of, of, of the entity that. Uh, made all the headlines before Christmas, that's really impacted on investor confidence, both in crypto and also, uh, you know, whether, you know, people are now asking questions about whether crypto is just more than a passing fad or yet another South Sea bubble. But I think, uh, I think there is, you know, cryptocurrency is here to stay. Um, You know, it's an extremely useful alternative Form of decentralized payments, um, and uh, and of course, what Argo blockchain does, it uh, it mines bitcoins, and it has taken the last couple of years to invest into um, into building uh, mining uh, 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 mining centers for 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 crypto. It has uh, it had a mining center in Texas, of course, the Helios uh, Center, and, and um, invested and built its uh, its its uh, um, 
arsenal of, uh, of, of Bitcoin mining supercomputers, which of course take up a lot of power. So they have, um, they had a very, uh, a very sort of competitive uh, uh, um, supplier for electricity there. Ditto in Quebec in Canada, where they have a mining center. And of course that the electricity is hydroelectricity there. So, so again, very cost effective, but battered by the Bitcoin price. What Argo does, it of course reports every month uh, how many coins it, it's mined and uh, we get these updates. But uh, of course, those became largely meaningless toward the end of last year as question marks were raised over whether the company can actually continue. But on the 28th of December, it announced a transformational, a transformational agreement with Galaxy Digital, who had uh, had have been a long term supporter of uh, of uh, of argue blockchain as a company um it sold the helios facility to galaxy for 65 million dollars um along with a package to refinance its asset backed loans with a new 35 million dollar loan uh from galaxy and that's reduced argo's indebtedness by 41 million uh, and also simplified its uh, its operating structure but um through this argo maintains ownership of all of its mining machines um, and Galaxy will now be the host for Argo's uh, fleet of uh, uh, mine, or, or Bitcoin mining machines at the Helios Center. So this has been transformational um, and of course, uh, you know, a lot of shareholders and investors breathe a sigh of relief. So you have to now look at uh, Argo, I think, as a recovery play. And I know the business model has been slammed uh, in so many quarters by so many well-known pundits. Um, but, you know, I'm just going to focus on the fact that there still is a business here. You know, the company is still generating revenue. Uh, you know, it, it generated, um, it, it, it generated, uh, uh, it's got a, a decent balance, uh, a, 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 a decent sort of uh, uh, debt balance sheet with some $20 million on the balance sheet. So, um, so the, the as with all technology companies, it's often a case of, um, there are loans provided and uh, and and uh, mezzanine funding arrangements uh, to get the business off the ground in the first place. Um, and as the business goes forward and develops and revenue start to grow, then those packages can be refinanced. And that's what's happened here. But of course, it's happened amid uh, a crash in the Bitcoin price and a further challenge in December, where huge storms in Texas uh, um, um, impacted on the the capability of the Helios Center to complete the mining activities. So they've had um, they've had all of these issues to deal with. But um, uh, so, uh, Peter Ward, the chief executive, worth noting, Peter Ward is the only chief executive uh, uh, on in the UK in UK where a UK listed company actually takes his salary in Bitcoin. So um, so we don't know how that's. Uh, continues to be structured. But Peter Wall said with this transaction, it's marked, marks the beginning of a new chapter. They have a world-class mining facility um, and uh, uh, mining operations will continue both at the Helios uh, Center in Texas and at its own, Argo's own owned operating facilities in Quebec. So going forward, we're going to have more news on this. Um, looking at the share price, of course, um, it's been, uh, there's been a huge collapse over the past year down some 82 percent but but really since that since that update we've seen shares come off their lows of 5p and remember you know remembering that at, at its peak argo was valued at some one and a half billion so 
it shows how far this company has fallen. But the model's still there. So if there's a resurgence in Bitcoin, um, Argo is now restructured and refinanced. So there's certainly, I believe, some potential upside on offer here. And since that announcement in December, uh, you know, we've seen the shares uh, recover from lows of 3P. So anyone who got into this stock at that point will have done very well indeed. Shares are now 14P, so it's already a multi-bagger. Gives the company a valuation of just under 70 million sterling. So, um, so again, I, I think this is very much a trading stock as well. There's been a, a considerable amount of trading volume given what the company has been through and where it's going. So um, the, the company also published uh, an AGM statement um, uh, on uh, a, a, a few weeks ago, and um, and said that uh, said that uh, the uh, during December the company held 141 Bitcoin, of which 116 were Bitcoin uh, equivalents, um, and uh, and and going forward uh, the the the, uh, the the issues that uh, the company has faced are very much uh, behind it, and um, there's going to be more information uh, on the growth strategy coming out of the company uh, in, 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 uh, in due course. Um, so we, we have some numbers as well. We have um, the, the company reported um, some £990,000 uh, into the accounts uh, uh, during, uh, during uh, December. That was the mining profit. So the company's cash generative. Um, and I think speculative, speculative investors can look at the Bitcoin price, take a view on where that's going to go, and then take a look at the fact that Argo has an incredible volume, an incredible resource at its disposal and can ramp up production pretty rapidly. And of course, ramp up revenues likewise. So a speculative buy with Argo blockchain. Alan, when we're looking at Argo, you know, looking at the gross margins for the last couple of months on the mining activities, not being particularly fantastic. No, I mean, is it the case that if we see Bitcoin remain at this level or even fall, that the deal with Galaxy was simply delaying the inevitable with Argo blockchain? I think that that that's entirely possible. Um, and of course, you know, we're in a speculative, risky marketplace, and I think uh, I think a lot of the fundamental attraction of Bitcoin has been. Uh, was destroyed uh, with the um, with of course the, uh, the 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 scheme that was um, uncovered before Christmas. Uh, not with Argo, I might have with the uh, with the guys based out in the islands uh, wherever they were, um, and uh, and I think it's going to take the the market some time to recover from that. But um, you know, as a store of value, Bitcoin has been so hugely popular. So many people have bought Bitcoin, and I'm. I'm, 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 I'm looking at people who you wouldn't probably class as investors in the traditional sense. It's just Bitcoin has become such a phenomenon in its own right. So many people hold it that it's still a, a very liquid market. So, so I, think, uh, I think there are opportunities. And of course, when something crashes and the confidence is taken out of the market, it does take time to recover. But given the sort of moves Bitcoin delivers for traders, um, it could very well delivers some sharp upward movements. And I think we've seen a few moves in the past few weeks to indicate that uh, that potential or that nascent potential is still there. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, is, uh, would you invest into Argo at this point? It's probably not an investment, it's a trade. But I think, I think there is 
huge potential, but there's also significant risk as well. So you have to factor that into account when making when making a decision. Indeed, I think you highlighted there significant risk and looking at the share price may prove to be a dead cat bounce. But, you know, if, if we start to see Bitcoin move again, Argo Blockchain is going to be one of those companies that's surely shooting up behind it and, and one that we will be covering on the podcast when we get further insights. So we're going to move on now, Alan, to the final company that we're going to discuss today, which this type of company is a company that I really like. It's a good example of British engineering, precision engineering. It's AB Dynamics, looking at the charts here. It's had a very solid 2022 that's been reflected in numbers, um, very good revenue figures. But it's taken your eye, Alan. Um, what's jumping out for you? Yeah, I, well, like you, John, I, I mean, I, I'm a big motorsport fan, as you know, and uh, and um, I think uh, I love British engineering innovation. We have some of the finest engineers in the world and some of the, that, you know, most of the Formula One industry is based here, for instance, and uh, and AB Dynamics are, 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 are an example of our expertise, um, which is basically sold over the world and forms an integral part of the safety systems in modern cars today. Um, and that's what uh, the company does. It was founded by Tony Best um, in 1982. Tony Best has formerly worked for McLaren and, and, and for Williams, of course. The company was floated in 2013 and really has gone from strength to strength. You know, very relatively unaffected by COVID. Um, but of course, it does sell into China and uh, and sales into China have had some, some impact. Um, uh, Dr. James Rao took the helm as chief executive once uh, Tony uh, Best retired. Um, but uh, the, the company uh, has, uh, has um, the most advanced durability testing and precision control uh, models uh, in the world. Um, it's used, uh, the, uh, its clients include all the top 25 global vehicle manufacturers um, it, and its equipment is integral in all seven European NCAP laboratories and that's the one where you see the crash test dummies smashed into posts in cars all the rest of it um, that's all of the AB Dynamics equipment is embedded within that and of course um, uh, more recently we've uh, we've seen innovation in the autonomous vehicle um, marketplace which is growing fast and of course uh, of course, tech capital owners of guidance that have the autonomous vehicle systems. So, AB Dynamics are um, are also major players in this uh, in this in this area too. Um, and uh, the company announced uh, full year numbers uh, at the end of November, so shortly before Christmas. Twenty three percent hike in revenue to eighty million. EBITDA up twenty one percent to sixteen and a half million. Adjusted diluted earnings per share up 90% of 44.5p and the company uh, has a healthy cash balance currently of 17.6 million also raised the dividend by 5.3p and also um, integrated uh, another acquisition and that's also something else the company's done very successfully over the years it's, it's integrated acquisitions which have enhanced its uh, its margins and also you know given the company improved economies of scale so the company said then uh, that it's got had a solid forward order book um, and its future growth, very much supported by long-term structural and regulatory uh, growth drivers. So that's a very solid market to sell into. Um, and of course, that's the inactive safety systems and autonomous 
vehicle applications. Um, Dr. James Rouse said it was an outstanding performance in a challenging market, and they saw significant growth opportunities going forward. Then uh, last week, we had the AGM statement uh, where the company said the first four months trading is in line with expectations and uh, it's maintaining its full year guidance for the current year. Um, and again, this is what the company has done pretty well year on year. Solid forward order book. Um, the Ansible acquisition it made is betting in well um, and uh, expects further strategic and financial pro uh, uh, progress. So here we are now. The shares are 16 pounds or 16 pounds 42 um year high is a bit higher than that. actually uh last year the shares were 18 pounds um and it then dropped off low uh, to to lows in march of nine pound 20 and that uh, i think was uh, you know based on the uncertainty of the outlook at that point but um but certainly if you look at the five-year chart we've seen um during uh 2020 in fact during the uh well, uh, well late 2019 uh and then uh Late, late 2019, we saw um, the shares hit sort of five-year highs of £27 a share. So I think given the fact that the company is building sales, building margins, uh, China is now open for business and China is a major market for um, for AB Dynamics. I think, uh, you know, this company's got great further growth potential. Also pays a small dividend too of about uh, uh, 0.3%. Uh, so not a huge dividend, but it's certainly a, a growth stock and I think a, a very solid company to own shares in. Indeed, indeed. I mean, as I go back to my initial point there, the numbers are, are very good and certainly worth having a look at there. And we're going to be due a further update from them uh, in the coming months. That's certainly worth keeping an eye out for as well. So just to recap, of the stocks that we've discussed today, uh, first of all was Burberry, the ticket of BRBY. It was then Argo Blockchain, which has a ticket of ARB. And we finished off with AB Dynamics, which has a ticker of ABDP. Alan, thank you much for being on the podcast this morning. Many thanks, John. So Alan actually just mentioned uh, Tech Capital and Guidance, the autonomous vehicle company we're actually going to be speaking to the ceo of guidant on the podcast this week so do stay tuned for that he'll be providing insight into the company as well as the the wider market so one that we're looking forward to and should be released before the end of this week thank you very much for everyone for listening We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.